Okay, so it's the Gratitude Club, it's Sunday the 14th of June, uh, and uh, sometimes we do this in vision, sometimes we put it on YouTube, sometimes we... It's just too horrible a sight. Too ghastly a sight. And usually she's not talking about me. What it is, is uh, a cop stick being uh, vain, uh, she's so vain, uh, vanitas vanitate, uh, Latin, uh, has decided she doesn't want to be seen because she's puffed up. So not true. You just arrived, uh, she cops in Copstick Towers... Uh, without your, what's it? I am. I assumed your Apple Mac had broken down again. I'm never without my what's it. <laughs> but no, I um, woke up this morning, just horrible. I mean, I know my face is never exactly a thing of beauty, but it's normally kind of vaguely normal dimensions, colour. It's. What did I say? Vanity. Puce. Uh, I mean, I woke up in the middle of the night and I thought, my face feels funny. Uh, and then I went back to sleep. And uh, funny peculiar, not funny haha. And then I woke up this morning <clears throat> and it still felt really funny. So, I mean, normally I don't look in mirrors ever. They crack, of course. Uh, either that or there's no reflection to see. But this time... <laughs> That's in August. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, August, my reflection disappears. Um, but I went over... And it was a horrific, and horrific sight, so John. describe the sight to our dear listeners? Well, massively puffy, eyes like currants in a dumpling, as my gran would say, but a red dumpling. So how are you different? Do you want to carry on with this, John, or would, will I just take this packet of ageing uh, digestive biscuits... And suffocate you with them by ramming them six by six down your throat. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now we know what you're into. You're, you're threatening me with food. <laughs> it's not effective. <laughs> uh, you see my stomach. Anyway, okay, so, so you're, you're in a bad way. So I'm in a terrible way. Not as bad as some comics. not as bad as Melbourne. You're not going to die in the operating theatre. I know. What I thought was, because I read your blog, of course, your increasingly prestigious of course, blog, yeah. of course, I hadn't realised, because I've been talking to Mel a lot about the show with Dr. Death, about the show without Dr. Death, about the sitcom she's got on the boil. Sick girl. She, sick girl. She, about um, the, uh, the documentary that she's part of for Tiger Aspect and obviously about her hideous condition. And, and I, but I read only in your blog that they're going to work on her neck, her spine... By slitting her throat and going in through the front. Yeah, she said because it's too dangerous because you might hit the uh, spinal cord or something. Mm. You go in at the back. But I was thinking, at least by doing the throat slitting way, it's a halal operation. <laughs> so if ISIS invades, she's okay. It's absolutely, <laughs> yeah. She can do whatever happens. She can just reveal the scar around her throat <laughs> and say, you know, look, guys, I'm one of you. <laughs> Sorted. Anyway, so, yes. so, uh, so uh, 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 right, so you, you're looking a mess. I don't think, I think you, a thing of beauty. And a no, joy, I'm looking a mess. And a joy forever. No, I'm looking a mess. I still think there's no change. Uh, but uh, you were saying you're doing lots of stuff for, for Edinburgh Fringe. So you are the doyen of Edinburgh Fringe reviewers for the Scotsman. So they say. But, but in fact, you're not actually staff. You do other things as well. Oh, God, I don't think anybody's staff now. Um, no, but I am always have... And I'm terrible. Can you imagine having me as an actual employee... No, it'd be a disaster for everyone concerned. I've always been freelance, you know, more lance than free. 
Um, it needs working. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. We'll come back to you on that one. More free than Lance? More, more, mm, more Eden, Eden, Eden Flance. I was, I was thinking of Lance, you know, as a pointy stick and never mind. Moving on. Sometimes dubious pun was that. So when I'm, uh, when I'm lucky, because the, the Hootsman... Uh, barely covers expenses. The Hootsman being the name for the Scotsman. The, Scotsman. Uh, the Hootsman barely covers expenses. And much as I enjoy the Edinburgh Festival, um, <clears throat> it's my only chance to earn any money really now that I'm Mama Biashara. You do have high expenses though, more, more feed than Mars bars. I know. Oh, God. Um, so, yes, I, I, any other work, anybody who's out there listening, any other work that's paying, very happy to do. And... The marvellous Sue Hitchin at the Festivals Mag. Um, F- F- Fest Mag? Is it Fest Mag? No, there's a fest and there's a festival, isn't there? I've got no idea. I don't someone, really know. someone. She's working and for someone. She's, she's a lovely woman and she gives me lots uh, of little interviews to do, um, which is fantastic. And I, I did, I, I sent my list of bri- what I consider to be brilliant um, feature ideas to Andrew Eaton at the Scotsman. Uh, and... Uh, and I said, I'm also going to send many of these to Sue, so whoever picks up first, thinking that he would immediately go, I'll take them all. No, wrong. <laughs> so one of my brilliant ideas was, uh, remind me never to have brilliant ideas, John. Don't, don't have brilliant ideas. Okay, thank you. Um, one of my brilliant ideas was to do uh, an interview with Milton Jones and Darren Walsh entirely in puns. Wow. Because I'd done, uh, years ago, for the Erotic Review, I had done an interview with Graham Garden uh, entirely in double entendre. And that was huge fun. It was it was hilarious. We were, both were giggling a lot. Um, did he know it was for the Erotic Review? Of course he did. How bizarre. I'm hardly going to do an interview with him uh, because it was, it was at the time when somebody had put in an official complaint to the BBC about Samantha and how rude she was. On the, I'm sorry, I have no clue. Yes, and they were actually having a proper investigation into how rude the Samantha... Crazy. So we did this Dublin thing, and it was great fun. So I thought, aha, puns. Because, of course, um, it's kind of May, June, all the PRs suddenly remember how much they want to have coffee with me and or lunch. Because of the fringe in August. Because of the fringe in August. They hate me, but... They're prepared to buy me coffee and smile uh, because they might get me to write something about their people. And uh, uh, Darren Walsh's PR and Milton Jones's PR um, were doing, oh, what about a feature? And I thought, well, I don't know what there is to say other than puns. And I thought, ha-ha, uh-huh. I will pitch uh, an interview, a supposed interview done entirely in puns. Oh, God, why weren't you around just to shut me up by forcing tea biscuits down my throat six at a time? That seems to be a reciprocal arrangement, doesn't it? Uh, anyway, it's done now. The guys were lovely. It was partly just to have the thrill of swapping emails with Milton Jones. I think he's fabulous. He is fabulous. And Darren Walsh. Very tall. Very tall. But isn't he the reigning UK pun champion? I think someone picked him at the post, but I can't remember who. I think I might have interviewed whoever picked him at the post this year. Really? Yeah. But, but, but he's very tall, but not necessarily by email. No, that's true. Um, but he is going to come and do a preview at the Mama Biashara Emporium. And lots of people are, I think. Lots of people. Dot, dot, Darren dot. Walsh is coming. Um, Abby, uh, Abby Bryce is coming. 
And Will Hodgson has just started. So I'm so excited. I'm really, really excited about that. He's leaving the West Country. That's quite something. It's, um, you know, it's, does Will not live in Scotland now? Oh, I thought he lived in Chippenham or somewhere ludicrous. Oh, he's still head of all things funny and interesting in Chippenham, oh, yes. He, oh, he, um, and Scotland? he was doing the Chippenham comedy. He does the Chippenham Comedy Festival. Sorry, I can't speak through my vastly wall, swollen cheeks. Wallen cheeks. Um, so, yeah, so I did that, and I've been doing other... Interviewing lots and lots and lots of people. Um, so I met up with uh, Phil Nichol yesterday. Huge. Something of an idol of mine. He's, uh, the, the Comedians Theatre Company is celebrating 10 years. Bloody hell. I know. I thought it was like two years ago. I know. Yeah. 10 years ago. Um, crazy. And they're doing... Seven productions. But Phil Nichols is strange, because you think he's a Canadian. He's actually Scottish, isn't he? No, he is Canadian. Well, I thought he was born in Glasgow or something. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. But, yeah, his parents are Scottish. Because uh. I saw... Like Mike Myers. I think it was, like, the the first Comedians Theatre Company thing, thing, um, starring <coughs> Phil Nichols, Zoo Story, at um, the Gilded Balloon. Stunning. Absolutely. He was amazing. He was just incredible. And um, I, I sat there, and this bloke beside me said at the end, uh, is that a five-star show? And I said, just to be... I said, no, no, might be four. And he went, oh, no, 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 definitely five. Well, it turned out it was his dad. <laughs> so, um, no, but they're doing lots of things, actually, with lots of things. Lynn Ruth Miller uh, is working with them, uh, doing a, a, a comedy monologue. As the ingenue? No. Yeah. Uh, and what else? Anyway, lovely. But I've, I've met up with lots of interesting people. And you're doing lots. So you're doing, you're doing festival, festival magazines, we're not quite sure which, and the Scotsman and anything else? Scots person. Well, I've yet to be asked. Any... Anybody who's out. I'm doing, there's um, Christian Talbot, yeah. uh, Irishman of this parish, well, not this parish, um, whose daughter turns out not to be doing her own show. Because I lied about this, yes. You did. Man with his finger on the pulse, but not of not of thirteen year olds. Exactly, I should hope <laughs> not. Um, uh, he's doing uh, multiple shows. Seems to be the thing to do, and one of them is called Cheaper Than Therapy. Uh-huh. Uh, now there was a show called Cheaper Than Therapy that was done by a therapist years ago, and I I was a guest on that. Um, they kind of wandered around looking for stupidly fucked up people, and uh, anyway, so I'm guesting. On Christian's show, he's doing one about alcoholism, one about drugs, one about, can't remember, and one about depression. Which show are you doing? All, all of them? Are uh, yes, indeed. <laughs> um, I'm doing the one about depression, which would be interesting. I don't know who else is doing it, but... Um, the, the whole comedy community, I would have thought. But, well, exactly. Uh, so, apparently, uh, Christian Talbot is also on Satellapram. Uh, he's on what? Oh, sorry. I, I thought, I thought Satellapram was some sort of show. So Satellapram! No. That's why I'm not a comedian. No, no. no. Actually, I'm just going to go back and phone Milton Jones just to yeah. reassure myself that puns are a good thing. So, <clears throat> so I'm doing that and I'm... Anything else you're doing? Uh, what am I doing? Documentaries, for example. Am I doing documentaries? Oh, God almighty. What am I doing? You're doing 21 pornographic things or something. Oh, God, yes, but not at the festival. No, not at the festival. No, 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 I'm being paid to make... Well, you've got to play to your skill set, John. <laughs> And uh, I'm going to be doing a documentary called 21 Things You You Never Knew About Porn. They're not doing any shows about how to be fat or anything. I could do those. 
No. Yeah, yeah. You just, it's just... A, it's cuddly. It's cuddly. It's cuddly. Yeah, it's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That noise is John's tummy. Other people are called slapheads. I am a slaphead, but I'm also a slap... Slap tummy. Yeah. Uh, so, yes. So, what about you? What are you doing? Apart the increasingly well, prestigious blog. Not anything. <gasps> I've been asked to interview Trevor Noah. Oh. You've interviewed him before, haven't you? Yes. But he, now he's huge. You know, now he's bigger than Darren Walsh. Um, <laughs> see what I did there? Um, he, oh, well, now he's doing the, what is it? The Late Show? No. The Late Show? Yes. Taking over from Letterman. No, no. John. Oh, John Stewart. The, the Daily Show. The Daily Show, yeah. Uh, I get them all mixed up. So he's now massive and everything, and, and apparently the assembly are saying he's not doing any press. But I've tried to, you know. Oh, you and he got on very well, didn't you? We got on the, very well, increasingly but. Increasingly prestigious Narcan Audio Award. Yeah. Which one, John? Uh, Act most likely to make a million quid. I think we were right there. I think we were absolutely right, and I think he owes us. Yes. About $999,999. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, uh, would he have got there without us, do you nah, think? Nah, we made him, we can break him. Good point, good point. So I, I think he owes me an interview. Because they're all making it now, because Reggie Watts, who was the winner of the first Malcolm Hardy Award, is now doing music on one of the late shows, isn't he? That's right. I can't remember which one, but is one of those. he doing the one with James Corden? I think he is, yes. Yeah. James Corden, who, sadly, for him, has never won a Malcolm Hardy, an increasingly prestigious Malcolm yeah. Hardy Award. In fact, there is a rule of three, so we've got two, two award winners <gasps> on American television, now you, with your porn. With my porn. Now, talking of Malcolm Hardy. And who isn't? Can I tell you, I've just discovered, and I'm terribly sorry to everyone that I'm about to insult, disappoint, and anger with this remark, but I have discovered the single most exciting thing that is happening in Edinburgh this August. What's that? Chris Lynham. Is appearing on the Malcolm Hardy Awards show on the 28th of August. He's doing a huge... A Theatre, a mime-clowning, amazing, incredible-sounding show. That, that wouldn't be the Malcolm Hardy Awards show on the 28th of August, would it? No, no, this would be another one called... Oh, God. Why have I forgotten the name of the show? Because I just got too excited. Because it's not as important as the Malcolm Hardy Awards show on the 28th of August. Because nothing is. But um, he's just completely sort of transformed from anyone who knows him from the days with Malcolm Hardy when he used to be utterly crazy and finish off his act by ramming a firework up his arse, lighting it and running around the stage, and shooting sparks. At best, a three-stage three room and candle was the best, yes. I, I do remember men, men in a ballet skirt flying through the air on a wire. I can't really? remember why, yes. He was doing something with his hands, but I can't quite remember what. It, it was very poetic. I do, well, this apparently is... It's touching, is what people are saying about it. And I spoke to the marvellous... Who are these people? They haven't seen it yet. Oh, no, people who have seen it elsewhere. Because ah. he's, um, he's been previewing it in other countries. Previewing what? This show that... That's a relief. The name of which I can't remember, which is appalling. It is. Um, but I was speaking to the wonderful Amy Saunders... Uh, that's Misbehave. Misbehave. And she just is a, is a massive fan. Oh, oh Misbehave of... knows, knows the best. Oh, absolutely. And, and surprisingly, not, not surprisingly, she's on the increasingly prestigious Malcolm Hardy Awards show on the 28th of August. Is she really? What might she be doing, John? She, she might be MC, except she's managed to book herself on another show beforehand. So she can only, dare she? She nearly arrive halfway through. So poor old Jenny Gogley is going to have to hold the fort on her own until Amy Saunders appears. 
I don't think that would be a big problem for Janie. I don't think, think she'll be short of words, no. No, exactly. No. <laughs> and hopefully, you know, we might even be able to leave her in a few acts in amongst what Janie's doing. Well, just the one act, obviously, in that, in that first hour. <laughs> yes. Are we doing the... Because, of course... Of course. There's going to be a massive... How could you forget? Richard Herring-shaped hole there in is. the festival this year. Mm. And that means a massive Richard Herring-shaped hole... In the uh, egg roulette. I know, because I think the last two years, Juliet Burton has, has lost out to Richard Herring, hasn't she? Yes. And that now her, her chance to shine through. Because apparently the trick was they were both brought up on farms or something. So they, they both reckoned they could actually tell which, which the, the uh, irrelevant, irrelevant egg was. I'm not going to explain the, the, really? the form of this show. But, uh, but that doesn't really help, because you're only allowed... Once you touch the egg, you have to so pick it up. So who are we to, going to get to, to take the place of Richard Herring? Uh, the one that... I'm looking at it, actually. Uh, but there was someone the other day, uh, uh, and, and when I explained the rules to them, they weren't enamoured. Maybe Stuart Lee would like to stand in for Richard Heron. Or, 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 uh, or Hamface, or something, whatever it is. Baconface. I think, he, did he not die? Did, did Baconface die? I don't know. Well, he's certainly not been around. Well, he, he was on, on the... He's probably in rehab. Increasingly prestigious. But have, have owl face. Yes. Yeah. No, uh, unhalal. <laughs> Anyway, um, uh, well, we, 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 we've grown to a hold here because we weren't really supposed to be talking about mm-hmm. uh, the Edinburgh Fringe and everyone keeps asking me, how, how do I write press releases? And I say it's too late, even though I haven't written mine. Oh, God, it's not too late to write press releases. Well, my, my advice, no doubt wrong, but you know better than me, is that you should do a press release uh, a week before the programme comes out. So when people read the programme, they, they know who you are. And then you should probably send one about a week before the fringe starts. Oh. But you know better being a Well, no, I like the idea of um, a week before the fringe comes out. I mean, the, the, the challenge, because one of the things I've learned in Kenya, we don't have problems, we have challenges. The challenge is that, um, you know, is to get it noticed. Um... Or to get it read, even. Now, if, if I were a little person going up for the first time, I'd say, that I've got the, a wonderful show, I've worked on it tremendously hard, it's a brilliant show. People, once they know it's there, will beat a path to my door. Because they'll know it's there, because it's so brilliant. Yes. And you're going to tell me the truth is... Uh, the truth is uh, that you're obviously an arrogant little prick, and you're about to have you come up and sort of made your way. Um, I, I, I wonder the problem and it I do think it is actually a problem with a lot of uh, comics now going up when virtually the whole bloody stand-up circuit just empties itself into Edinburgh and uh, the, the comics somewhere along the line have become they've got the feeling that they're owed quite a lot by the fringe uh, that they're owed uh, you know, a marvellous venue with no sound spill, uh, decent electrics, um, that they're owed an audience, that they're owed an audience that will like them, that that they are owed uh, reviews, that they are owed um, prize judges coming in to see them. You are owed fuck all. And going up there with a feeling of entitlement is going to lead to disappointment and <coughs> bitterness. You need to go up there with a sense of, I'm going to fling everything I can at the wall and hope enough of it sticks for to make it uh, worth my while. Uh, and that includes 
um, you know, the, the, the press release. And in a way, if you're a tiny show, um, a lot of the big reviewers, the big um, uh, publications, they're not even going to read it because there is, there is a kind of a firewall, which I think is tragic, of paid PRs who can all get to, uh, who can all get to the editors, who can get uh, to the journalists, who have a budget to take them out to lunch or whatever, and who in some cases have the tenacity, you know, of a muddy eel once it bites into your leg. It's just not going to let go. We've all Mentioning been there. no names. We've all been there. Um, and it's hard... I mean, I always give out my personal email, uh, copstick at bobbiesgirl.co.uk, uh, because I'm happy for anyone to contact me, but a lot of uh, reviewers don't. And you do, f I find myself drifting off if I start reading one of these kind of standard, it's all marvellous, whoa, you know, uh, one, of, one of London's top this or that. No, you're not. You know, if if people up here haven't really heard of you, you're not one of London's top anything. Um, and I much prefer, as I've had a few uh, little emails saying, you know, I'm bricking it, I'm terrified, and blah, blah, blah. That's much more likely to appeal. That's That shows the right attitude. It shows, number one, a respect for the Edinburgh Fringe, which is a, a, a monumental entity in the comedy industry now. And an acceptance that life, much less the fringe, much less the press, owes you nothing at all. It's what you make of it. Um, and so maybe, a, you know, an e if you can get... If you're an individual, rather than some corny, you know, kind of uh, pro forma um, press release with all the usual buzzwords in it is not going to work. Um, a direct email, for me, is much more likely to work, which is not a press release, it's just an email. Um, and then once you get up to Edinburgh, you know, play your little heart out, paper your show, just get people in to see it, and if you're on the free fringe, just try and get as many people in as possible. Because if you are any good, every single one of these people is a human flyer. And you are sending them out there. They are a talking, walking, smiling, <coughs> reminiscing, sadly often joke-quoting flyer. And they will do you more good than bits of paper. But basically you were saying uh, that uh, the way to get on is to have a PR. No, I don't think it is, because I think it uh, it does, it can help with getting your press release in front of an arts editor. However, doesn't say that that's, that arts editor is going to read it, and if they do read it, is going to believe it. Uh, and a lot of the time, with with, with most... Um, PR's press releases, I do not believe 
anything in them. Is that because of the words they use? It's because of the words they use, the way, you know, the way they write them. If you do have a PR, I think you're better to at least have a hand in writing your press release yourself so it sounds like you, because otherwise they all sound the same and they all sound like the PR. Uh, so as I say, I abs absolutely set no store by uh, the the press releases that I get from PRs. They're, they're sales pitches and the PRs are salespeople. Um, and, um, you know, they're there. I go through them. But, you know, a lot of the time, I say I just, I disregard them. Uh, what I want is information on the act, yeah. what the show's about, and a little bit of information about the act. Well, what I've told people is don't use general adjectives. Like, uh, obviously, don't say wacky or zany for a start. That mm. will get you on the bonfire. But don't say wonderful, marvellous, anything that's non-specific. Any, any adjectives have to be very specific and... Uh, they have to be uh, unique, to, well, not unique to you, but they, just general sort of blurb about how wonderful it is. The word wonderful, for example, yeah. absolutely useless, doesn't mean anything at all. And um, also, as it, uh, the comics seem to feel entitled to endless strips of stars. And uh, then <coughs> what they do with them is plaster them all over press releases. And some I remember when I used to perform at the Fringe, um, the your forty words in the brochure that took ages to craft to make it uh, intriguing, interesting, pulling people in but not crass, and giving a flavour of the show so people wouldn't come and be disappointed. All of that it was a little work of art. It was crafted. Now you get name of comic, and then the forty words are marvelous. Uh, some. Uh, you know, five stars, some website. Phenomenal, so many stars, some other website. Well, funnier than a funny thing being funny, uh, five stars, another but And that's all. You, you know nothing about the act other than some, some student has thought they were funny, possibly four years ago. So, so the same goes for press releases, that uh, you want specifics. Oh, I mean... Anybody, and I, I do think it is your, you are entitled to take any review and pull a couple of words out of it to sound good, even if it's a shit review. Uh, that is your, abs I know Andrew Eaton, the Scotsman, disagrees with me here and he, he uh, looks very uh, negatively on people uh, who do that. But as far as I'm concerned... Um, I, I, I think you you make the best of a bad review, like Jason. What's the Jason, Jason story? Jason Woods, the late lamented, uh, who was a f great talent, amazing guy, <coughs> and I saw him uh, doing a show at uh, the assembly rooms, and it was dreadful. It was just lazy. It was like he didn't want to be there. He'd shoved together a load of very old material, a couple of so-so imitations of people who'd been dead for five years. It was just irritating. Um, and I think playing to people that he knew would watch him shit into a plastic bag and applaud. And that irritates me. It's laziness. And somebody as talented as Jason was shouldn't be lazy. So anyway, I gave him a one-star review. And the very night that it came out from the Scotsman, the front of the assembly rooms was covered with massive banners saying, A-star, Kate Copstick, the Scotsman. 
Brilliant, brilliant, clever, clever, clever. That's the, the brilliance of Jason Woods. Um, Andrew Eaton was very angry, but I thought it was phenomenal. Uh, really, really clever. I'm all for, uh, you know, people doing that. Even, uh, um, I'm interviewing him on Tuesday, Alfie Brown, who is a uh, young comic who, the first year I saw him, oh, my God, oh, crikey, he was like a little arrogance is lollipop. He, is he in the police, or am I getting confused? The what? Is he, in, is he a policeman? Is that someone else? No, no, that's Alfie Moore. Oh, God, sorry, sorry Alfie Brown, sorry. Oh, sorry. sorry, Alfie Moore. Uh, uh. Um... Anyway, and I, 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 I just hated and was hugely irritated by him. And I, I, he made all these sweeping statements and I said his, his show was, you know, his, his attack on almost everything was carried out with all the intellectual rigour of Vicky Pollard. <laughs> and he's quoted that endlessly. Great. It's still on his posters. <laughs> but didn't you tell me once that you, when, when you wrote really bad reviews, you used to bung in a couple of yeah. good words so they could actually nick them? Yeah, in my review, my really bad reviews... If you read them properly and with a modicum of intelligence, there is always something there that you can cut out and use. And that's intentional. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, it's there if you're smart enough to use it and don't just go off into a hissy fit, you know, and cry into your pile of flyers, which is, you know, what a lot of acts do. Or they go and sit with their mates in little... Little covens going, I, I think you're great. I think you're great. I thought that was, that was just a rubbish review of you. Oh, no, I thought that was a rubbish review of you. And that's not helping anyone. It's certainly not helping you get any better. So, you know, you get a, man review, uh, a bad review, man the fuck up, get over it, and work out why it was bad. Or ignore it. Because they don't all get read, and they certainly don't all get taken to heart. And they're not all written by professional reviewers, pro proper reviewers. Oh, everyone's a critic now, John. Uh, even me sometimes. <laughs> it's rare. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think during the industrialisation of comedy at the Fringe, you know, there's this feeling that you have to do all the things that the big comics do. You have to have at least, you know, 5,000 posters which you mustn't. The average life of a poster in Edinburgh is about four minutes. Why is that? Because people plaster over it. Or they, you know, I, I still think, just sit yourself down. I know it's probably too late now. Be a bit clever. Do something that smells of your show, that tastes of your act. Like... Sending a mackerel to Kate Copstick. Like um, the Cox for Cunt and the Gang. Well, what was that? That was absolutely brilliant. Was it Bob Slayer that thought up that? I think, well, I think they thought it up themselves. I don't know if one person right, thought, thought yeah. So Cunt and the Gang, uh, the Cunt of Cunt and the Gang, K-U-N-T, um, came up with this idea for publicising the show. And it was a sticker in the shape of a cock and balls. And they operated as flyers for the show. And they were given out after the show. And they were sticky. So you peeled off the back. And then, of course, people put these cock and balls all over Edinburgh, everywhere. But mainly um, on the huge posters put up by uh, the big expensive stars. So people like I don't know, Daniel Sloss had a 
cock going into his arse and um, who else? Somebody, there was, uh, who are, the girls all had cock and balls going into their mouths and because uh, on, a, on a poster people usually strike a somewhat silly pose uh, so they were absolutely uh, fair game for poster sticking and that was and the the on the balls there was the little thing that you put put your mobile phone over and it linked you through to the the ticket site. Little square it was thing. Quite brilliant. Everybody was talking about them. Everybody saw them, uh, and then uh, I'm not quite. I, I might have been Ed and Charlie. Uh, somebody anyway got up on their high horse. And uh, they got a visit from, I don't know, the city council or something like that and said they had to remove them. But that was brilliant too because wherever they were removed, there was like a ghost cock where they'd been peeled off the, the, um, the posters. Now, I know that kind of approach is incredibly frowned upon by all the big promoters. In fact, someone who shall be nameless a uh, big promoter. I said to him, uh, surely, you got the, your posters are the size of a house. Surely one little cock and balls, you know, stuck up Daniel Sloss's arse is not going to ruin your entire publicity campaign. He's got to get used to it. And, uh, you know, what, you know, what, how would you deal with this? Laugh and move on, I assumed. No. This promoter who shall be named said, well, if I'd stayed, I would have uh, sent the boys round to have a word. And if they hadn't been taken down, I would have sent the boys round again. Is this promoter still alive? Yes. Oh, not the one I thought they No, not Addison. <laughs> no, not Addison. Um, it's a very bad impression and it's not going to give you a clue as to who the promoter was. But it was someone I was very surprised that he had such a sense of humour bypass. Well, I have to say I agree with him because they, they, for, for, for the, for the cop thing, Cockgate as it was called they won an, uh, an increasingly prestigious cutting stunt award, yes. but I, I thought it was very bad form, I thought really? I, yeah, I thought it was, I didn't approve at all, I thought it was awful that uh, these, these comedians, even though they were big stars, whichever comedians, because they weren't all on big posters, had, had paid loads of money to, to publicise themselves around and another performer was screwing up their publicity. But I don't ha think however, he was However, as far as I'm concerned, they actually got the cutting stunt award because Bob Slayer there managed to twist it about five different ways after that, he kept it going, yes. and I thought it was worth the award for the keeping it going thing. Uh, oh, I, I thought I it was I, brilliant. I didn't think the initial idea was, was very nice. I thought and, it was wonderful. Yeah. It was the, you know, the untermension rising. Uh, and you know, these... Um, rising? Rising. Now, nowadays, um, all the pitches for big posters, all the way down the Pleasance... All the way along, all these big hoardings are sold. And when we're talking about big, we're talking probably about like five feet high, aren't we? Yes. Yeah. I mean, they're sold. So the little people, the untermension, the untercomics, don't even have a chance of getting there. And it's, it's deeply, deeply undemocratic, unfair. Uh, I kind of on a. I mean, now I'm, I'm working on the same principle as I have done for the past few years. I will not go and see. Uh, any comic who's in a venue of more than, you know, 300, 350 seats. Uh, I, there's no... I, I'm just not... I mean, that's, that's because they, they don't need the attention, is that Well, it? it's because... All right, say 400 seats. After that, 
It's not really the fringe, is it? Yeah, well, 400 is going, 300 is going it somewhere, would have thought. Yeah. Um, and I just, I mean, a lot, quite a lot of them. One of the things that, that I've had from uh, PRs this year is they're saying, you know, such and such a show, uh, you know, mentioning uh, an actor that's been coming up for years. Oh, they really need help because they've gone for a much larger venue. <coughs> you go, well, if they've gone for a much larger venue, fuck them. You know, if they think they can yeah, fill it, fill yeah. it. It's not, you know, my gums are hardly bleeding for them. Well, in fact, I got an email from George, you know, George Egg. Jo I love George now, Egg. George Egg is, oh. now he told me he'd been performing for, I think it was 30 years. It's 25 yes. years. And, and he's going up to the Fringe for the yes. first time this year with he's... his first solo show, so presumably could win a Newcomer Award. Yes. And so I think we should promote him for a Newcomer Award. Oh, I just think he's, George Egg, if you haven't seen him, you must. <laughs> he is quite, quite brilliant. The thought of him winning a, 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 a less prestigious Perrier Award for Best Newcomer it just appeals to me. I think you find it's Foster's now, John. Is it? Mm. Well, they keep changing their minds, don't they? Well, not for some time, John. Keep up. Uh, what else was it you were going to ask me? It is so, so un, 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 un impressive. Um, uh, I was going to ask you more about... Well, give me one of your 21 best tips for pornography or whatever it was. It's not best tips, John. It's not best tips. Best heads. It's, no, it's not best uh, heads. Things you didn't... No. What didn't I know about pornography? Well, for example, for example... Without illustrations, because it's... After... I mean, this is not... This is going to be more a look at the way porn is consumed and the way porn is sold and the statistics. Is so... This, is this for a major channel? Yes. Yeah. So, for example, after they, the, the, they have... Looking at crunching the online numbers they have discovered that after every major world disaster, like after 9-11, after Hurricane Katrina, after the um, earthquake in Nepal, after every major disaster, the traffic to porn sites dips. Dips? I thought it'd be... Okay. No, the, the traffic to porn okay. site dips for five minutes. So basically... When something truly dreadful happens, the world stops wanking for five minutes. Is that because they're watching the news? And then I have absolutely no idea, John. I haven't gone into the, the... I haven't started researching it yet, but that is one of my interesting facts. How are you going to research that? The numbers are there. Well, can't you just create a major disaster and see what happens? No, the numbers are there already. They have... There are people who... That's their whole job. Just looking at traffic to sites, collating the traffic to sites, where it comes from, who's who's uh, logging on, how long they log on for, when they log on, all of that. Every site and you've got knows get, exactly that. And you've got to get to the bottom of this. Ha, ha, ha. I'm not going to talk to you about it if you're not taking it seriously, John. There's a serious... You're just sniggering now. Your great big belly is shaking with laughter. And I'm not amused. <laughs> 